These are the daily lectionary comments for February the 10th. We're going to look at Job chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. And Job continues his fierce criticism of his friends and their inept uh, efforts to comfort him. And then John uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 22. Uh, the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus continues uh, with John and his disciples. Job chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. Now, Job has just finished criticizing, well, he hasn't finished criticizing. Yesterday, we, we heard how Job was criticizing his friends um, for their harshness uh, against him and the usefulness, uselessness of Eliphaz's uh, advice and, and, and counsel is tasteless. Um, now he continues, Job continues with rather fierce criticism of Eliphaz and the other friends that are there too. And, and their, their very incompetent and inept uh, efforts to, quote, comfort, end quote, um, a Job. They're not really comforting him at all. They're tormenting him. So uh, Job addresses their, their harsh and, and, and pitiless um, uh, efforts of his friends. He, he likens them in the, in the Holy Land. There were many uh, streams that were called wadis, and these streams are dry most of the time. But in the rainy season and after a rainstorm, that they will be filled with water and rushing quite violently. And the problem with these things is that they are very deceptive. So you think that there's a stream there, and you go to the stream. When you get there, it's completely dry. And so Job is likening his friends to one of these streams that lures a person, for example, who's traveling through the wilderness in a caravan, might lure uh, such a caravan to go looking for water when they need it uh, because they think that there's a stream over yonder, say, and then they get there and they find out, yeah, there's a stream, but it's dry as can be. Job is really making the point that these, these friends of his are filled with all kinds of counsel and advice uh, uh, and so very comforting to them when he doesn't need it. But now that he needs it, now that he needs their comfort and compassion, they are absolutely dry stream beds. They are of no help to him uh, at all. I need your help. I need your compassion. I need your comfort. And you aren't giving it. Instead, what you're doing uh, is really criticizing me and blaming me for what's going on here in my life. Uh, he, Job admits, look, teach me and I will be silent. Say something useful to me. Help me to understand this and I will be quiet and I will listen. It's not that I don't want to listen to you no matter what you say, but if you're going to say things like this, it would be better that you just not say anything at all. Your, your, your words of, of reproof, uh, they're, they're very forceful. You're saying things like you really understand and you're, and you're saying words in, in a very strong way. And yet, what are you really reproving? You're not reproving anything. My words, I am, I am striking out and I'm saying all kinds of things. The words of a desperate man, he says, are wind. And yet you criticize me for my tone of voice, I guess, for the word choice that I use, for the particular things that I'm doing. That's what you're doing. And, you're, and, and, and uh, so you don't like the way I'm acting. And yet look what I'm going through. I don't need you to correct my grammar. I don't need you to tell me that maybe I'm being a little too harsh. 
I need you to join me in my min, uh, in, in my misery here. That's what I'm needing. And I'm not getting that. He says, return. Return, turn to me, friends. He's treating them as friends. He wants them to be friends again. Turn, be merciful and compassionate to me. That's what I need. And then he says, don't I have a palate that can discern? In other words, don't I perceive things as well as you? Can't I tell myself these things that you say? If I knew that there was sin within me uh, and that all this was caused by that, don't you think that I could tell that? But I'm telling you right now that what is happening to me, the explanation for it is not the things that I have secretly hidden within my secret thoughts and secret sins. I am as capable of understanding these things, as you put it, as you are. And yet I'm telling you that what is happening to me is not because of some secret sin, not because of some fault within myself. I have not deserved what is happening to me. I need you to be compassionate to me and to sit here with me. And instead, what I'm getting is a lecture from you that I need to look deeper in my heart to see what's really going on or admit how I'm really at fault with this. It's really very powerful the way Job talks back. And again, this isn't so much theologically rich. I mean, it is, but, but it is also just as a drama. You listen to these men go back and forth and you can feel Job's pain and you can see how these efforts of his friends to try to understand the situation and make it very simple. What was going on with you is because you deserve this. But their efforts to understand and make it all very simple is really hurting Job enormously. They're not here with him. They haven't gone through this. And all of their comments just strike him as clinical uh, and, and efforts to help them understand. He says that you're afraid of what you see. Um, and, and so they're trying to understand it rather than be there for who is supposedly their friend uh, to comfort him. So, all right, that's enough for today. We'll, we'll continue uh, tomorrow as, as Job continues to express his, his attitude and opinion about his friends. Okay, so in, in yesterday's reading in John chapter 3, it was a discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus. Um, and since then, we we're going to leave that conversation behind. And, and Jesus uh, was in Jerusalem at that time. Now, he's still near Jerusalem. He's gone out across the Jordan River, not far from Jerusalem, but out, out on the other side of the Jordan River, near where John is baptizing. And the conversation uh, in, in the, the gospel here starts to turn to the relationship between John and Jesus. And both are baptizing. And it appears that Jesus is baptizing more and more, and John is baptizing less and less. Uh, and so there's that, and we're going to come to that in a second. But then first, he takes up a dispute. There, there was a Jew that was disputing with John the Baptist regarding purification. Now, why would you dispute with John the Baptist regarding purification? Well, because that's what baptism is. Baptism is a purification, and, and, uh, but John is doing this. Uh, but but the Jewish leaders uh, uh, did not have that understanding of purification. Well, their understanding of purification was a lot like uh, uh, you know uh, Nicodemus when when the issue was what was flesh and what was spirit. Um, now John had said he must be uh, you know that that I baptize you uh, with water, but the one who is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, so John already acknowledges that there's a deeper baptism. Uh, a deeper purification that is necessary. And you can kind of see that going on in, in the background. And 
the, also in the background here is the difference between uh, a, a fleshly purification, a simply ceremonial purification, and the idea of being born again of water in the spirit. That's what we're talking about. That these two are baptizing here, uh, Jesus and John and their disciples. Now, John also adds this. He says, and this is verse 29, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from, uh, from heaven. So this is John's way of saying the same thing that Jesus said, that unless you were born again or from above, <coughs> presumably by the one who has come down from heaven, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you were born again of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so John is basically saying the same thing as well, that unless it is given to you from above, again, this is by the Holy Spirit, that's what he means by that, um, it, it's, you, you can't do, you cannot receive even one thing, receive one thing from the kingdom of God is what he's talking about. Now, as for, John says, as for the fact that he's baptizing more and I'm baptizing less, why should that bother me? This is like a, a wedding and Jesus is the bridegroom, okay? And I am the friend of the bridegroom. So I am here not to celebrate myself and have a great time for myself, but to celebrate on behalf of the bridegroom. If Jesus is baptizing more disciples than I am, that's exactly what I want. <clears throat> that's why I directed people to him. That is a good thing. My ministry is to prepare the way <clears throat> for his ministry. And so... This is not something that threatens me. He must increase, I must decrease. That is fine. That is exactly what we would expect to happen. And then uh, he, he goes on uh, to, uh, uh, to talk about that he who is above, talking about the bridegroom, talking about Jesus, is above all. And he comes down. He comes down from, from God. Uh, and and uh, he brings the Spirit without measure, okay? The, the spirit, the thing which enables one to be born again, to see the kingdom of heaven, to enter the kingdom of heaven. He is the one that baptizes not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, John is reminding his disciples, uh, 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 well, actually, at, at, this, at this spot here in John, it's no longer um, John that's speaking, that is John the Baptist, but this is John the Apostle, the writer here. Um, uh, is probably the one talking. It could be John the Baptist. You, you could, you could um, put quotations around all this, but this seems to be John the Apostle who's commenting on John the Baptist's words here. At any rate, uh, he, he, uh, the, the text makes the comment that uh, in verse 34, he from whom God uh, has sent utters the words of God, for he whom God has sent, and for he gives the spirit without measures, as I just said. And then he says this uh, in verse 36, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Okay. Um, just like Jesus said uh, in yesterday's lesson, he who believes will not be condemned. Here's put positively. He who believes has eternal life. Notice he has the eternal life presently, even while he is believing. He doesn't have to wait to die in order to have eternal life. But whoever does not obey the son, so obey the son uh, is is another way of saying believe in him, okay? So we don't want to say uh, believing is just believing that it's true and obeying is actually doing what Jesus says. 
um, believing in Jesus and obeying Jesus, to obey Jesus means to believe and trust in him. Uh, they really mean the same thing. Well, the one who refuses to obey the son and listen to him or believe and trust in him shall not see life. Okay, now note, if you believe in him, you have eternal life. If you do not believe in him, you will not see life. It's not that you will lose life. It's that you won't see it because the wrath of God remains on him. Now, this is a very important thing for us all to recognize. Jesus doesn't come into the world and condemn people who won't believe in him. That is not what the scripture pictures at all. The scripture pictures that the world is filled with people who are condemned and under the wrath of God and they have no life in them. In order to have life, you must be born from above, born again of water and the spirit. <clears throat> you must be born from the one who came down from heaven. And if you are born by the spirit of the one who came down from heaven, then you will not be condemned. Even though you were condemned, now that you believe in the one who's come down from heaven, the son of man, you will not be condemned. Even though you did not have life when you believed in, in the one who came down from heaven, now you have eternal life. This very moment, you have it. But if you do not believe in it, that you will never see that life because that which is flesh is flesh and can never just change and become spirit. You will not see life because the wrath of God remains. The one who does not believe remains under the wrath of God. He doesn't incur the wrath of God by not believing. He already had the wrath of God in him. We are all born under the wrath of God and we are all redeemed and made alive and removed from under the wrath of God and not be condemned when we put our hope and trust in the Son of Man who comes down. He is the one who, who uh, baptizes not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who brings us the new life. We are born again in him by water and the Spirit so that we are no longer flesh but something new. And that's what, so, so what John is saying today is essentially the same thing uh, as what we were hearing uh, in yesterday's devotion between Jesus and Nicodemus, underscoring um, the, uh, how much superior Jesus is to John the Baptist. And the remainder of this reading is really setting us up for tomorrow, gets Jesus into Samaria. We'll talk more about that uh, um, uh, tomorrow.